What up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Bradham. It's Joe George, the assistant to the regional manager behind the glass. And it is a Monday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. And it is the first episode of the Killer Bees on a Monday after an NFL Sunday. Great to have it back. What a great weekend, was it? Uh, you know, if you're into Texans wins or losses, maybe not so great. But the Astros have extended their lead in the division. Now two and a half games. That's outstanding. College football happened. College football happened. Maybe that wasn't so great for some of us. Um, lots to get to today, too. Plus, it was just a great to have the NFL back, right? Great to have no the NFL back. Lots of great performance. We're going to hand out game balls a little bit later. I believe with college football... We start with the Texans, who fall to 0-1 on the season. Look, 10-point dogs, 9.5-point dogs, wherever you ended up getting it. There were some good things. There were some bad things for the Houston Texans. I think we're realistic in the Texans' lot in life, that we're not really counting up victories, although there is a black cloud that hangs over the 2023 Texans because they do not have their first-round draft pick next year. But all in all... Week one is a loss at Baltimore. What's the one thing you learned from the Houston Texans' first game of the season against the Baltimore Ravens? What stood out to you more than anything else? Wow, more than anything else. I got two big ones. I'm going to say I'm going to say that C.J. Stroud can play. I, I, I believe in C.J. Stroud. I believe in C.J. Stroud because of the fact that he was not put in ideal circumstances. I believe that C.J. Stroud didn't wet the bed. I believe that when given the opportunity and when, you know, he's granted, he's going to make mistakes and the mistakes are going to happen. But when you saw him make throws, it's exactly as advertised. He has good touch on the ball. He puts the ball where it needs to be. I think he's more athletic than a lot of times that people give him credit for. I think he had to run more than he would like to. But I believe that C.J. Stroud has given me more encouragement with this franchise, with the quarterback position than I've had in since Deshaun Watson was just sticking to his P's and Q's. Lot, lot of uh, territory that C.J. Stroud needs to cover, right? Like, for a rookie in his debut, week one, was it fine? Yeah. Uh, relative to the rest of the NFL, eh, not the best. We're going to have some fun with C.J. Stroud throughout the entire season, too. Every single Monday after the Texans play, we're going to grade C.J. Stroud like we're boxing judges. And we're going to give a C.J. Stroud a thumbs up. We're going to give C.J. Stroud a, a thumbs down. Look, he does bring optimism to the position, right? Because Davis Mills, eh, there were some you know Mills Mafia members out there. Uh, but for anybody who had a little bit of sense of football, no one really believed that Davis Mills was the franchise quarterback. No one believed that. Could he you know, be a bridge to the franchise? Sure. Could he win a couple of games here and there? Maybe. But was never the franchise quarterback. This is the first time that the Texans have had what you think has a chance of being that franchise level quarterback uh, since Deshaun Watson became a pervert and left town. So that that's good news on that front. And there was some good from C.J. Stroud. There was some bad from C.J. Stroud. Overall, like the offensive line was dreadful, as expected. Like as expected, a patchwork offensive line that you're starting. You know, I love Josh Jones. Go Cougs. He's out of position a little bit at left guard. You're starting a six round rookie at center. You had to play a guy that you signed in free agency in camp and, and George Fan, and he got hurt. And then you bring in a left guard to play right tackle, and he gets abused on the only. The only snap he took at that position, he was abused as a strip sack fumble. And, and you just touched the first part of it, and then we connect the dots. Okay, so you already have one player out of place that should be playing right guard. When the injury happens, do you not just slide Josh over to right guard and, and put Dieter at left guard, where at least he's been playing the entire preseason? Right tackle. That's, right tackle. I, I would tackle, yeah. yeah. And just say, hey, look, 
this at least gets me to makeshift and piecemeal a, a better line together than the, what I did with continuity there. I tweeted it whenever it whenever I saw Fant hurt at Jeremy Branham. I just assumed that the move was Josh Jones at right tackle because yeah. he's more familiar with the position. He's never played left guard in the NFL until yesterday. And I thought he held his own. He had a couple penalties. Wasn't fantastic. But he's a more natural tackle. So it seemed obvious, okay, let's move the tackle to tackle and let's play the guard at guard. Nope, not the case. They played the guard at tackle, the tackle at guard. Dieter got abused. Uh, the defender went right around him, strip, uh, strip sack, turned it over. So, like, a lot of Stroud's performance yesterday, I, I don't think he – he didn't have the optimal conditions. You need conditions to go thing, like to go your way, right? The conditions weren't optimal for C.J. Stroud yesterday with that offensive line. You know, the, the receiver snap count is something we'll get to for what is not a great wide receiver room to begin with. Uh, but you're right. Like, C.J. Stroud gives you at least hope at that position for the first time since Deshaun Watson left town, which don't you, is Don't good. you think when you think about what we were thinking about week one after we saw Davis Mills and, and kind of the, the early Davis Mills in which he, you know, I always joke that he can't throw an out route to anybody but the vendor in the third row. I at least saw a quarterback that can put the ball where it needs to be placed, that can, mm-hmm. that can you know, that can once the play starts to develop and the, he gets the ball from center – that he has an idea, and when he does have that idea, and he, he's he's hell-bent on doing what he's supposed to do, he can put the ball where it needs to go. Yeah, his ball placement's really, really good. So, like, I think that uh, he's going to be fine there. Uh, the it might not it might not happen until week five though. Like sure. Titus Howard's out four games. Juice Scruggs is out four games. This offensive line is not magically going to get better. I don't know the the extent of the Fant injury. D'Amico Ryan's says he's going to give updates on injuries on Wednesday. So this offensive line, I don't expect them to get better over the over the next three weeks. Like this is just what you're going to have to live with for the first four weeks of the season, including uh, including yesterday. Uh, for me, Blankers, the thing that was my biggest takeaway was that. You still have a long way to go. Baltimore, I think, is a good team. I don't think Baltimore played close to their best yesterday. Defensively, maybe. Offensively, I thought they were kind of choppy, which I kind of expected under a new OC, a completely different system and philosophy than they've been running there for years. So I expected them to not be great offensively, and they weren't. And look, the Texans had su- had something to do with that. I thought the Texans played really good defensively. But you saw yesterday, the Ravens are, did you have them in the playoffs? I had them on the cusp. I have them on the cusp of the playoffs. Yeah. I think that that's pretty unanimous that they're a playoff potential. Like, they're a, they're a team that's on the cusp of the postseason. So that's what the Texans are aspiring to, right? They're aspiring to be a team that can be in the playoff hunt in the next couple of years. They were nowhere close to Baltimore. Like, I know that they hung, like they, they held their own defensively. Uh, they had some moments where Stroud, first ever game in the NFL, like there was some promise there. But they were nowhere close to being on the level of the Baltimore Ravens. So let's be realistic with where the Texans are after one week of the 2023 NFL season. They have a long way to go. Let's buckle in. Let's enjoy the ride because the Texans have a long way to go to be on the same level of the Baltimore Ravens who are a team who has playoff aspirations. The Texans have a long way to go to be a team that has playoff aspirations. I will say this. Way more organized than we've seen in the last couple of years. It's not nearly as incompetent as it's been in the last couple of years. You look like you belong. Not on the same level with Baltimore. Not on the same tier of Baltimore. But it looks like you belong on the football field with the Baltimore Ravens. I'm encouraged by that. I'm realistic that the Texans do have a long way to go. But I like that it's organized. I like that it's competent. I like that Debico Ryans looks like he knows what he's doing calling defensive plays. I thought he called a really good game uh, defensively to confuse Baltimore, to confuse Todd Mockin, to confuse Lamar Jackson. I thought he did an outstanding job. 
But, again, the Texans have a long way to go. I, I think that's discouraging because of the black cloud. Because of the black cloud that we talk about in the trade. Because as good as we saw certain players play, you also know that you may have traded your way out of getting a really impactful, really, really good to great player next year to really kind of help that process along. Uh-huh. And I think the other thing, Jeremy, to your point is, I think there's mirror images right now between the team as a whole and the quarterback situation. They're still going to make mistakes. There's still going to be things as they get their feet wet and get you know into these new roles that they're playing, the new league for C.J. Stroud as a role of quarterback and the first-time head coach and offensive coordinator. You know, we'll get into some of the, the mishaps and the mistakes, but because of that and still looking like you said, because I felt the same way, this is a team where the coaching staff is in control. There is organization. There's structure. So I think that there's a lot of good, and because there were some bads, that's not necessarily a bad thing like it was in the past. That's kind of a, a bump in the road that they can get over and get better. I, I struggle with the, the black cloud. I, I really do, because I, I don't want to talk about the Texans not holding their draft pick next season. But you kind of have to. Like, yeah. it's it's not going anywhere. It does loom over the organization. And we're going to have more and more information each and every week based on what does that draft pick look like. Look, Texans win three or four in a row. We're like, okay, that draft pick's not going to hurt you as much. You start the year 0-6, it's like, okay, well, that draft pick is going to hurt you a lot. So I, I we, we talked about this before the season because I know that this is something that's going to loom and it's not going to go away. Like, we're going to have those conversations each and every week depending on what the Texans do. Quite frankly, depending on what the Browns do because I, I compartmentalize the two things. Texans pick, Browns. Browns pick that you do own, but they do have some sort of like correlation between the two, at least in terms well, of feelings. We're fair enough to say we'll we'll pass judgment on this after you know this season. At least this season's behind us. Like you can't pass judgment immediately because you just don't know what you traded for and how developed those two players are going to be, and they're going to be judged together. Yep. But overall, you can't help. But that's why we we nicknamed it the Black Cloud is because it's going to hover over everything yeah. that happens with this team the entire year, no matter what good and bad come of it. And I hate it for the 2023 Texans. And it's going to be a really factor. It's going to, it's going to be a factor in people's minds and how they judge this team and the, the organization. And so it is part of discussions. It, it's a shame because you do see progress, but it's just because of the trade. Uh, not only was it a black cloud because of what the ramifications with the picks itself, but people then immediately thought, well, this team's going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're got a ways to go. Joe? What was the one thing that you learned after watching the first Texans game of the year? They got some big cojones, these fourth down conversions, man. Well, I wouldn't call them conversions. conversions. Attempts. You're right. (laughs) You're right. My bad. Like, the attempts, I I love the first one. Um, I I hated the play call. Uh, The second one, I like the original idea. They, They should have pivoted away from it when, like, when I guess it was Mike Boone came on to the field for Pierce. Like they, they should have pivoted away at that point and punted, and like so that's a something I learned where I didn't like how they didn't adjust right away. But I like that they went for it. Yeah. Like you have this team that's young. You you know you're you're you are the inferior team on the field. So I like the idea of going for it on fourth down. I like the boldness. My biggest thing. It's always been like this with Brandon Staley. Like if that's going to be 
like your philosophy, yep. then do it. D'Amico, like, be who you are. D'Amico doubled down on it, not once but twice. He was asked about it post-game. He's like, look, we want to be an aggressive organization. Cool. I like that. Uh, he was asked about it again today. Look, I would do that again, and I would do it every single time. So I like the aggression. Don't love the play call. And in fact, I'll even say, like, mathematically, Texans offense versus Baltimore defense. I didn't like my chances in either situation, especially when you're taking out Damian Pierce out of it. So, like, the play call... I'll set that aside for a moment because I don't love it. But D'Amico's saying, look, we want to be an aggressive organization. Cool. I'm here for that. I want you to be aggressive. Now, I don't love the play call. I don't like your chances against the Baltimore defense, but I'm here for the aggression of this is this is going to be how we model our football team. This is going to be our culture. I like that. See, but this is where I was at with it. I, I like the aggressiveness. I just wasn't sold on the aggressiveness at, at that point in the game. I mean, at that point in the, on the field, where they were on the field. That point of the game, fine. You get the whole game in front of you. I get it. But just the fact that you could give them really, you know, you could set them up for their first score and, and put them in good position just by not getting it. And I agree with you on the play call as well. But I, I just, I don't want to see, Joe, to your point, I don't want to be Brandon Staley. I don't mind the aggressiveness, and I actually like it based on how conservative they've been. But I don't like how Brandon Staley coaches and goes forward in his own end. Yeah, yeah, that I never want to see, but I... It's just I like the philosophy in general. Like if there's a fourth and one early in the game next week against the Indianapolis Colts, I expect them to go for it now, kind of. Yeah, I, I mean, no matter where on the field. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, not, situ- like where you're at. I mean, obviously matters. not deep in your own territory. Yeah, like but- I'm like a forty yard line guy. Like yeah, if I'm you cross the too. forty, like I'm, I'm pretty okay with you going for it at that point. You don't want to give them points if you miss. Yeah, you don't want to give yeah. them an automatic field goal if they get zero yards. And fifty seven yards from the forty yard line is tough. So like I say, like the forty yard line is kind of where like I would set the line. But I, I love the idea, and like and now it's just going to be. Can they figure out a better way to execute these opportunities in the future? 713-780-ESP at HRMP listener line. 713-780-3776. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN975. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. Uh, Joe's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. What was your biggest takeaway? What's the one thing you learned about the Texans and their opening loss against the Ravens yesterday? Another one? That offense was incredibly bad. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Yesterday was fun. It's only going to get better and better. We're in the thick of college football season now, right? And I'm here to tell you about my favorite sportsbook and casino. Maybe you want to throw down some bets on next week's action. you got to get involved with BetUS.com. Football is back. There's not a better time to lay down those bets. I only endorse one sportsbook and casino, and as you guessed, it's BetUS.com. Why? Because BetUS is celebrating their 30th year of sports betting service, and they have a special offer this football season just for you. Up to 30 risk-free bets. You heard me right. Up to 30 risk-free bets. It's called Bet Protect. If that isn't enough for you, BetUS also offers the industry's biggest 125% sign-up bonus. So sign-up bonus, 30 risk-free bets. Uh, also... They have a massive crypto sign-up bonus. BetUS.com does 200% crypto bonus just for you. Also, 250% casino bonus. The game always gets more exciting. With a bet, you can take it to the next level Next level as well with BetUS.com with live in-game betting. That's the fun of it. You can kind of play it like the market. Live in-game betting. Do not wait. Take advantage of their 30th year offer up to 30 risk-free bets. Get Bet Protect. Get started today by visiting BetUS.com or give them a call at one 800 mybetus that's 1-800-692-3887, to learn all about their bonuses and special offers. 1-800-MYBETUS, BetUS.com, Sportsbook and Casino, where the game begins. 
Guy is uh, texting us about how we lost that uh, Cowboys game on uh, BZ Money. Yeah, you got scoreboard on us. We'll have to eat the crow. He says, how do you guys take your crow? I like mine blackened. So uh, if you're going to deliver some blackened crow, I'll, I'll go ahead and eat it. We we, we lost on yep. that one. But I think we did all right, BZ Money, right? We only lost like $10, something like that, which is way better than average. Yeah, we lost $15. $15. There you go. Yeah, We're right. off to a good start. Yeah, we went 3-3. Three and three. Yeah, three and three. We did lose the Cowboys game. You're right about that. That was a that was a blowout. I mean, look, the only one that we lost fifty bucks on yeah, Tampa Bay, Minnesota. That's my bad. <laughs> Is it your bad? Yeah, I pitched that game. Yeah, I mean, you let us bet on Kirk Cousins. Mistake. Yeah, it's my bad. It's it's my bad for sure. Not only did I let us, not only did I lead us down that path, but I made it our big bet of the week. Yeah. So we were three and three. We chose a couple of our bets. Ignorantly, I'll take I'll take the blame for that. I got to be better. And we yes, you're right. Five six three nine. We we will own that. We lost that one big time. But three and three, not off to a bad start. Well, and I would say if you're going to text it, leave it. But if you're going to text it and tweet it, be prepared that it could always come back at you. So now have that same energy when you take it in the shorts. Kind of like when we lose bets, we have to take it. Yeah, <laughs> so right. it kind of works both ways. That's right. Uh, Texans offense not good. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line. What did you learn from the Texans losing nine five four seven? Feels like I've been saying the O line played terribly for the last twenty years. That's not entirely accurate, but mostly accurate. That offensive line yesterday, man. That's well, uh, you and I were talking a rough the offensive break. line. You know what? To have fields that I mean, I mean not fields. To have Stroud have the numbers that he had and still after what he was dealing with with the offensive line, to me, was another feather in his cap. It was more impressive because of how bad that offensive line played the entire game. The fact that you were in a one-point game at halftime was amazing to me. I'm like, I'm watching him the whole the whole time thinking this is New England in, in first preseason game all over the all over again. He's scrambling. The fact that he's still making throws when he can have any time at all to throw the ball was impressive. But I felt for him, but I also was more impressed by the fact that he was still able to put up decent numbers. Probably more of a one-possession game because of the defense, though, than the no offense. Uh, the offense was was pretty atrocious. We'll get to that in a little bit. A couple of others taught the show. Everyone would have roasted Lovey Smith if he went for it like D'Amico did. We roasted Lovey for not going not, for it, yeah. for being super conservative. Like I, I'm with Joe. Like You get to the mid, you know, middle of the field, I really don't care a whole lot if you're going for the ball. And I think it puts trust on both sides of the ball. Like A lot of times people say, well, you're going for it, you don't trust the defense. No, you're, you're going for it because you trust the defense that if you don't get it, that they're going to bear down, get a three and out, and not cost you points. Uh, so there's different ways to look at it. Coog Blaze didn't run the ball enough. Uh, did like how they played to the final whistle, though, getting Stroud some good reps. That that he was... I think that the game kind of got away from them in the sense of we want to run the football more because, I mean, it became a 22-6 to game in the third quarter there. So if you get to that point, it's difficult to you know run the football when you're down by multiple possessions. Now, you look at the overall body of work, you threw it 44 times with a patchwork, terrible offensive line. You ran it 23 times. Again, you know, same bad offensive line that's trying to pass protect is also trying to, you know, move the ball on the ground. Uh, but 44 passes to 23 carries is, uh, I would have liked to see it flipped, if I'm being completely honest. Well, I think that's that's the epitome of what a San Francisco offense is supposed to be. I mean, I watched it with Green Bay as well, where aside from, uh, you know, a, a superstar quarterback that's going to tell you more than you can tell him, on how to run an offense. That's what all these guys under that Shanahan tree want to do. And when you have weapons, and and look, it's not just at skill positions. If you have weapons like an offensive line, you can do the kind of things that that kind of the, the guys calling that kind of offense would love to do. I mean, I think it's going to develop. I think it's going to happen. Like you said, it could happen. But part of that is not just the skill players. That offensive line has to play better, regardless of who's in there. 
you have to put them at their at, at certain positions and keep them there if this is what you have to deal with until even week five. But they have to give him the time to do what they want to do, or they're not going to execute very well at all. Three eight seven eight. Considering the GM's drafting history so far, y'all assume he would hit on next year's first round pick that they traded away for Anderson. Okay, let's look at his first round picks real quick. C.J. Stroud, promise. He's got promise. Uh, Will Anderson was fantastic yesterday. So I understand you traded up for that, but you also traded up to draft him. So that was kind of a win. Stingley, you took Stingley over Sauce, but I don't think Stingley's a bad football player. In fact, I think he's a good football player. And Kenyon Green was a, was a swing and miss. But whenever Nick Casario's drafting in the top five, he's got three pretty good players. He's got Stroud. Can we still call Kenyon Green so far a, he's a not swing a, and miss, or is he just... I would say he's kind of a... I mean, he's, he's a miss so far. Yeah. He's There's no board, doubt he's a miss so far. Bust. But look, his top three picks have been all right. Will Anderson, I think, is good. C.J. Stroud showing promise. Stingley, maybe you got the wrong guy, but I think Stingley's a good football player. So, like, when he's – and this should be the case for everybody. It's not rocket science picking in the top three. But if that's a top three pick, I like Casario's chances of getting that right. Uh, 4 6 two, two, sell the team. Come on now. Um, let's see. A lot of people getting in on George or on Joe here talking about uh, – Talking about how the Bears lost. So there Did you go. They? With that. I, I was I was moving and doing stuff all week. I wasn't sure if the how the, if the Bears played. Well, if you don't want to talk about, it, it's fine. Oh, uh, four, that's four. not true. Oh, okay. oh, I'm, sorry. I'm doing all right. I was cashing my uh, Colorado tickets, so <laughs> I'm feeling okay. Four four eight says I'm still embracing the suck. So there you go on that. I was afraid of that too. I I, I thought I thought that as much as they were trying to do to develop this team and and kind of get younger, better players with more potential on the roster, I still felt like. That was going to help, but they weren't there yet, and, and everything was accelerated based on the black cloud. Yeah, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Well, you know the text. I'm not. I'm not big into moral victories at all. Uh, I think there's some promise to be had from that game yesterday. I thought the defense looked good. I thought Stroud showed some promise. That said, the offense was atrocious. <laughs> the offense was about as bad as you can get. Uh, the numbers: two hundred and sixty-eight yards. They gave up five sacks in that game for. 46 yards lost. They had some tur- they had some penalties along the way. That was a heavily penalized game both sides. Texans had 9, uh, the Ravens had 13. But you can't win with offense that you showed yesterday. And this is this is my concern about the 2023 Houston Texans. The offensive line is going to get better because of injuries. You know, Tyus Howard will be back in week 5. Juice Scruggs back in week 5. At least you think those guys will be back. So that's going to give you an upgrade on the offensive line, which is good. You know, Stroud's going to take a beating in the first 4 weeks, improved offensive line. Here we go. Uh, the fact that Damian Pierce ran the ball 11 times and then you had Mike Boone on the field a ton. Like, Mike Boone played more snaps than Devin Singletary. I thought Singletary was the pass catcher of this group. I didn't love to see that at all. Uh, now, the game got out of hand a little bit, so situational football came into play here. But I thought that Pierce didn't get enough touches. Uh, I didn't think they ran the ball enough. And then offensively, relative to the rest of the NFL, because we're going to have two different conversations all year. The offense was C.J. Stroud, a rookie quarterback. How is it progressing? How is it looking? But the second conversation you have to have is, how does this offense compare to the rest of the league? Yesterday, the offense that they showed, again, one of the worst offenses in the NFL. Yeah, and I think the, the point, too, that you – you mentioned is something that I was very intrigued by too and a little bit disappointed and that is utilizing the personnel that you do have on your roster because you know that you don't have you know some as opposed to some of those other offenses that are running you know plays and and doing things a certain way uh, I mean I was a bit surprised that Tank didn't have more of a role I, I was a bit surprised that Singletary didn't have more of a role I thought that those were guys that could give you an edge when the rush was getting there too quick because if you can dump down quickly or you can let them get in then, and you can play for it, and you can scheme for it, and then you can dump down or get the quick crosser or just you know run run tank in motion. 
I thought that there was opportunities, as good as the Raven, Ravens' defense could be, that they could get some chunk plays, you know, five yards here, six yards here, and kind of not have you back on your heels. So I was a little disappointed from that standpoint of, of the play calling for the offense and utilizing the personnel that they have on the roster. Yeah, I didn't think Slowick had a very good game. Now, I think that the situation Slowick's in is very, very difficult because you're trying to not put too much on a rookie quarterback. I think that's why you saw kind of a lot of simple stuff with Stroud, behind a line of scrimmage stuff, at line of scrimmage stuff, some kind of quick plays towards the sideline. Uh, so I thought he was trying to not put too much on Stroud's plate from a level of difficulty perspective against what should be a really good defense. You're doing it behind a terrible offensive line. You're doing it with a receiving core that, quite frankly, is not very good. Um, so Slowick is Slowick does not have optimal conditions. Rookie quarterback playing his first game, a terrible offensive line, receiving room that lacks firepower. So I don't want to give Slowick a pass because I didn't think it was good. But at the same time, his his uh, his tool bag is not very good either. Oh, you're right. And and with those limitations come lowered expectations, especially internally. They know what he's dealing with. They know what he doesn't have. And some is not on the roster. The majority of it is because of what the offensive line isn't doing with the injuries that they have. And now they're already playing musical chairs. And that's not something that I've been a fan of before that I thought we were not going to have to see this year. But so far already, to start the regular season, we are embracing for it for four, possibly four or five weeks. You've never, you don't have a choice, though, right? Right. No, Man, you should, you sat your hands. Just the injuries mm-hmm. have taken away the good that you were trying to build by what you were trying to do to protect CJ once you drafted him, and, and, and you know, and moving forward in the offseason. What's the one thing you learned from the Texans' loss against the Ravens? That offensive performance, a real stinker, huh? How about the defensive side of the ball? Some promise there, right? It's Killer bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Hey, before we go to the break, I want to tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. I love the people at Apollo Men's Health, and it starts with the man on top, Dr. O, because Dr. O cares about his patients. He cares about you because he wants you to get to feeling like you used to feel when you were in your best shape and living your best life. And that means from the boardroom to the weight room to the bedroom. As you get older, you might be having some problems. You might not be able to do the kind of things and achieve the kind of things that you used to do. He's here to tell you that he can help you get back to those times and feel in that exact same way. Three locations now to better serve you with the new one in League City, two near downtown Houston. The staff is fantastic, and all they do is focus on what's going on with you, how can they help, put you on a program that works, get you the results that you need. That's what I love about them. No nonsense, but still caring, and yet they're going to take the time to ask you questions, get answers, and get you going in the right direction. It's fantastic. Go to their website right now, ApolloMH.com. Check out all the services they offer. If there's a few that you think might interest and benefit you, Sign up for your first appointment right there as well. And then when you do, you're going to find out most major insurance is accepted and there's discounts for military personnel and first responders. More so than anything else, go in there knowing they're here to help if only you're honest with them and answering their questions. If you do your part, they're going to do theirs, and it's going to be a match made in heaven. You're going to see results. You're going to feel better in no time. They're fantastic. Mention my name, Joel Blank, free B12 shot on your first official visit or a free body composition analysis to chart your numbers and make sure the good ones are going in the right direction and the bad ones are no longer a problem. I'm telling you, they're really good at doing their job, and they're better people than they are at that. Check them out today. Go see the people at Apollo Men's Health. First sack for Will Anderson in his career. thought Will Anderson played some good football yesterday. Next Gen Stats had Will Anderson with the most pressures in a debut since 2019. Tied with Nick Bosa, tied with Josh Allen, ahead of Chase Young, or ahead of Kerlaftis from Kansas City. Anderson generated six pressures in his NFL debut. He finished with that one sack, of course, 
Also, he had more tackles than I thought he was going to get. He had six tackles, tackles for loss, a couple of hurries as well. Look, Will Henderson looked really good despite losing by 16 points at Baltimore. He did. I mean, he was as advertised. He's athletic. He, he, he parlays quickness with some strength, uh, a ton of athleticism, uh, and, and it's, it's everything that you wanted to, to see because there's a guy that you can see results a lot quicker than when you're developing a, a franchise quarterback. And so to see him develop the way he did in week one, to see him do the kind of things, and, and to your point about the, the, the other guys that are in that category to do what he did in week one, and know that when we're talking about trying to see how many sacks he can get in a season that can put him in the rookie, defense rookie of the year uh, conversation and more. I mean, if he averages a sack a game, he'd be in a hell of a, a good range of company too. Right now he's off to a good start, and he looks like, if you can get anything, and we, you and I said this uh, uh, weeks ago, if you get anything from John Grenard to go alongside him so that you know the defense has to worry about both, there's no telling how much havoc he can wreak in the backfield. I thought Anderson was really, really good. If Will Anderson didn't get that sack, John Grenard stole the show. Because I thought John Grenard was really good as well. Like I, I thought I thought Grenard played a really good game. He had a sack. He had two tackles for loss. He was in the backfield. He was generating some pressure. Look, this is a big year for Grenard because like last year he had the spotlight. The spotlight was on him. He had eight sacks the year before, didn't play the full complement of games. Everybody just, you know, penciled in that John Grenard was going to have a double digit sack year. He got hurt, didn't come close to getting it. You draft Will Anderson, and a lot of people have forgotten that John Grenard, once upon a time, was seen as a guy who could be a double-digit sack potential yep. kind of player. If Grenard can get close to being a double-digit sack guy and Anderson is going to be who many people think Will Anderson's going to be, still has to prove it, I mean, you got the makings of a the pretty good bookend defensive yeah. line. I mean, that's exactly what you signed up for when you thought, you know, we were talking about the fact that we, he were, ready, we were ready for Grenard after that, that really breakout year that he was going to take another step up. He was going to get to the double-digit sacks, but he was going to wreak havoc. He was going to be a guy that you had to look to double-team if you were an offensive coordinator with with blockers out of the backfield and, other, and tight ends because you knew that he could do some things that could really screw up what you were trying to do. And then he just, you know, like you said, he got dinged up, and, and then he never really kind of got close to fulfilling that potential. But now it's like the perfect storm. He's healthy. You've got a guy that defense, uh, offensive coordinators have to pay attention to, and if both guys can just take advantage of their matchups, you should be able to control the edge, put pressure on the quarterback, and do a lot of things to allow your secondary to do what they need to do because there's less time for a quarterback to throw and less the amount of time that, and the seconds that are involved in trying to stay with your receiver go way down and are minimalized if your guys are putting uh, pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, and speaking of the secondary, I thought Stingley had a good game. Like, Stingley does not get – Stingley's not somebody who is a look-at-me kind of guy. So whenever Stingley plays well, one, they don't really throw it his way. He was targeted twice yesterday. Which is a tip of the cap to a guy they respect. But I think it's also why, look, Stingley was hurt last year. I get it. But I think it's why we underrate Stingley a little bit. Because Stingley's not, he's not getting the interceptions. He's not getting tons of PBUs. He's not sitting there patting himself on the back. When you get targeted twice by a team that wants to throw the football, like they threw it 22 times yesterday, it's not a ton. But when you get targeted twice by a team that wants to throw the football, that means that they have respect for you, one, or you're, they're defending their guy. Their, their guy's not getting open. Their receiver's not getting open. So he, had, he was targeted twice, gave up one catch for 20 yards. I'll take that every week. He did have the questionable P, uh, pass interference on Beckham. Uh, that was in the red it zone. Which, uh, yeah. You thought that was pi? No, I thought it was questionable. Oh, okay, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I, I thought it was super questionable. Yeah. I thought it was a. Fit, I thought it was a coin flip. Do you think if it I wouldn't have thrown other, it? But I think it was coin flip. You think nope. if it was anyone other than OBJ that they don't throw it? I think if it's Bateman, he doesn't get the call. That's what I mean, I think if it's Zay Flowers, he gets rookie treatment. Yeah. I, I I agree with you. That's exactly what I was saying, thinking too. I was like, look, 
at a certain point, that's OBJ. And so he's going to be treated differently with the officials because they know him and they know what he's what his resume says. And I thought that was unfortunate because I, I, I thought that was one you leave in your pocket. And, and I thought that was very unfortunate because I liked the way Stevie Nelson was playing. I liked the fact that the secondary was doing their job. I love the fact that when you throw that in combination with Petrie until Petrie got hurt, that the secondary is exactly what we hyped them up to be. We thought that secondary had the ability to take it to another level now. And, and especially when you start with Stingley playing in more of a, of a conducive system, that can benefit his skill set. I loved everything about the defense that I saw in terms of this is what you're talking about when you want a young, youthful, experienced, and athletic defense that showed signs that not only as good as they played yesterday, they can get better. Still gave up 110 yards on the ground, which wasn't ideal. Uh, Dobbins left the game with an Achilles, too, so you were having to defend like Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Uh, which isn't like a well, if you're Dobbins, fabulous stable. That's tough. It, it, contract ACL, year too. Yeah, uh, ACL. Achilles. Oh, no, ACL yeah. Previously, yeah. then you come back, you get the Achilles, and, and now you're heading towards a. That's that's brutal. Want, want a hot take? Yeah, they should go all in for Jonathan Taylor. You have Odell, Zay Flowers, Bateman, Lamar, Mark Andrews. Whenever he comes back, all in for Jonathan Taylor. Why not? Depends on the price tag, right? How Terry's give up? Probably a first, right? We all think it's a first. If you, if, you know, Johnson, I'm Jonathan, not giving up a first. There you go. Why not? You're not getting them then because he can't play the next three weeks. So it's like you're Baltimore's like, not Baltimore's not making the trade need, for yeah. Jonathan Taylor for the next. So three they weeks. don't need him for the first four weeks of the season. They want him for the, the last quarter. three weeks. Yeah, no, but like yeah. I would like him right now. Of course you can because the Colts had to play shenanigans. Well, what you want and what you get are two different things, but if you get them for the three quarters of the season that mean the most when you're in the dogfight of that division with a chance that if we think that we called it right and they're on the cusp of a playoff berth and and now losing a guy you were counting on instead turning it to Jonathan Taylor who was basically one of the best running backs in the league, I think you have to step up and worthy of a first-round pick. Agree, but he still has to pass physical. They're they're saying that the the reports this weekend were that he's fully expected to play week five. Yeah, because he's not hurt. Mm, I mean, who knows? I really don't believe Jonathan Taylor's hurt. And that this if was Jonathan Taylor was not, sense. it would be a grievance, yeah, right. though. It would be you're a grievance. Right. They, would, they would have had a lawsuit with the league. The NFLPA is not going to allow the NFL to do that. So if it was not real, we would have already heard heard of it. That's so fair. like Maybe it it's minor. Maybe he didn't need to go on putt, but there's a, there's an injury there that cost him to miss at least Something one game. medically has to show up. Otherwise, you pull the Slim Jim Harden and you go to the buffet every night, morning, noon, and night with an easy tag until you fat your way out of being able to play. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I like the easy tag reference. More, I'm more of a text tag kind of guy. Uh, the Jalen Petra thing's scary. Yeah, like, it didn't even look that significant. It didn't. I was. I went back and I rewound it a couple times. Going, wait a minute. He got need in the chest, but it didn't look like like a full blown leg swing. Like he was coming full force, and the kneecap just kind of came up and caught him in the sternum. It, it just weird. looked almost. In, it was incidental, obviously. It just looked like it was minimal. And then he just got released from the hospital this morning. So he was coughing up blood, yeah. bruised lung, which he probably didn't look good. good when he. I thought he. I, I thought know. he got the wind knocked out of him. Same. But when he came off, he did not look good because he kept kind of hunching over. And I was like, mm, God, I hope that doesn't cost him the rest of this game. I was wondering what it was too because I noticed the same thing. He came over and he was like out of air, like out of it. Breath. I but doubled had, over and kind of like is he going to throw yeah. up? I or? thought he got his wind knocked yeah. out of him somehow. But then I went back and watched the play. He never he never went to the right. ground really. Like yeah. he got he got uh, Lamar Jackson hit him with a flying knee right to the lung. Terrible. Better than Israel Adesanya looked over this weekend. Seven one three seven. He was brutal. That what was, was crazy. that? How does Sean Strickland beat Izzy in a, in a for the title? That was weird. It, it like it reminded me of the Giants game last night where like the Cowboys just beat their ass. It did. The whole game and, like, I thought. I thought something was going to come out post fight where Izzy had like a broken hand. Like I, I promise you, I thought that. 
I promise you I thought. I texted my friends that. He, something's going to come out post-fight. He had a broken hand. No, he was just brutal in Australia. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. I believe Mondays. What did you learn from the college football weekend that makes you believe? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Do you believe that? Huh? Do you believe, like Deion Sanders, after winning week one? Joe made a lot of money this week, by the way. He did. He, he was, was He, he was shrewd. I thought you were going to hedge him. Okay. Decided no, not to, huh? I'm not a coward. What do you believe after week two of the college football schedule? 713-780-ESPN. Ocho woke up and chose violence today. Said, Brandon, I learned that if you have North Shore's championship pedigree like Rice does and John Kay, you can accomplish anything. Ocho, never text the program again. You're not. You're not. You're no longer welcome in the too hive. Too, way too, too soon. soon. Way too, too soon. Too soon. Good win for Rice. Rice. Rice looks good. Jay, I like JT Daniels. He's a good football player. Yeah, I mean, he's only been in school for ten years. He's so. a. You're right. Maybe he's he's a seasoned yeah. pro, but he's a good player, man. Rice Boomgren's doing a good job there. Went to a bowl game for the first time since 2014 last year, and then uh, look, that's a they got some talent over there. They're doing a good job at Rice. Fall down 28 nothing. Too big of a hole to get out of. That one was bitter. I'm still licking my. Uh, Still licking my wounds on that one, I admit. He's got more transfers yeah. than a blue-collar uh, public transportation user. Who's that? JT Daniels. He transfers every year. <laughs> he's He's been around, man. But he can play. He's a good football player. He, McCaffrey, they got some weapons. that They think McCaffrey's going to be an NFL wide receiver. That He made a heck of a catch in that game. And he's a junior, right? Uh, I'm not sure his classification. wouldn't surprise me. It seems like everybody has 10 years now because of COVID and transfers and redshirting. My buddy, uh, my he's buddy, a pro, though. He's he a pro. only switched to receiver last year. He played quarterback. Yeah, and my buddy, uh, is their strength coach, was telling me that NFL scouts are already talk, talking about if he comes out after this season, I think he has at least one year left, that he'll some NFL team will take him in one of the first two, two three rounds. So what do you believe after the college football weekend? 713-780-ESPN. What do you believe, Blankers? What do you have for me? Uh, I believe that Texas, after getting a win that big on the road like that, with their schedule not looking like it's going to be real challenging, the, the actual the, the, the pathway has been set for them to make, tech, to, to make the statement boastfully that Texas is back. I know they baited viewers after the game trying to get him to say it. Yeah, <laughs> Sam Ellinger. Yeah, there's still a for chance the win. to hiccup and, and screw up. But I believe that because of how big that game was and because the rest of their schedule looks pretty light and Oklahoma isn't even close to what it used to be, I, I think that the pathway is set up for Texas to actually get them back to big things. I, I ain't scared to say it. Texas is back. And Quinn Texas is, a dog. is back. I'm not scared to say it. Look, that was Alabama's first loss at home yep. since LSU in 19. That LSU team that had Joe Burrow, that had Jamar Chase, that had Justin Jefferson, that's Alabama's first loss at home since LSU. That LSU in 2019, biggest home loss that Nick Saban's had at Alabama ever. You know what else? Ever. You know what? When you say that, Joe, the thing, I'm with you. I didn't like that a lot of people came back after that game and said, that's what yours has to be, just a game manager and just don't make mistakes and, and screw it up. I think he has the capability. Not that I think that he's the top 10 pick in the NFL yet, like a lot of people were projecting. But I believe that he, he's got the skill set to be able to make that team, to make plays for that team, not just follow the plays that are called. He literally, he he looks so calm. Like he like It was like eerily calm the entire game. Like every time the camera would zoom on his face, like he just had this like, no look. Like, there was nothing. He wasn't upset. He wasn't happy. He was just 
there. He knows if he doesn't get hurt last year, they probably they, they probably beat him last yeah. year. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, it, they, Bryce it, Young won that impressive. game last year. That he final did. drive. Bryce Young was that was his. They looked terrible all game, and he put them on his little shoulders, and he took them all the way down the field. 409, Josh, I believe yours will win the Heisman if he plays at that level all year. I mean, he's... Uh, I don't believe that. I don't believe... What do you believe? 713-780-3776. He's probably at the top of the list. I was looking at odds today. There's no way he's at the top of the list. No, he's like fourth. Caleb Williams. Well, he's like fourth. Okay, that's different. He's towards <laughs> he's the, the top. top of the list. He's towards the top of the list. And the team that won you money this weekend until they, they have a setback, have yeah, this, a quarterback that's going to get a lot of love. Yeah, I, I might just go all Shadur on. Sanders is going to get a lot like of love. I might go on Oregon. That weekend. was my belief. Shadur Sanders is the real deal. Yeah, he's the, he, he looks is. Honestly, here's my comparison for Shadur Sanders, and, and tell me if I'm an idiot or not. I think he looks a little bit like Bryce Young. He's a he's a taller Bryce Young. I don't know if he has the accuracy of Bryce, although it ain't bad. Bryce isn't known for like this outstanding arm. What Bryce have and what Sanders have that I absolutely love, incredible high IQ. Yeah. Their football IQ, well, Bryce Young, Shadir Sanders, is through the roof. I'd agree with that, but I'd say he's bigger, faster, stronger than Bryce Young. And, and, and that's saying something with all... <sighs> I don't. He's definitely bigger. He's definitely bigger, faster. I'd be curious. I think he's faster, he but I don't know if he's just twitchy. He doesn't okay. use it. He doesn't really. Let's let let's let's say that he's a different way. He's smart how he uses it. I he's faster he, for sure. He's I, bigger, faster. I think his stronger. quick twitch. I guess you're right. He is bigger, yeah. faster, stronger. And I think his quick twitch <laughs> on, on just you know jabs and and steps. I think he's got the total package. And like you said, coming from you know Dion, uh, uh, the pedigree of Dion, and being around ball his whole life. You got until he shows me differently. That guy's right up there next to Caleb Williams. I believe I was wrong on him. I didn't think he was this good. He is this good. I believe in Shadur Sanders for sure. He reminds me of like a lot of Bryce. Reminds me of Bryce also, but like the best parts of CJ at Ohio State, the accuracy. He's got really good accuracy. Like he doesn't use his legs when he doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. Like he has such good. I love command. that about him. Yeah, I like, love that. I want him to throw. What, I don't want him to run. But you know what's so great about what the skill set that he has that so many guys have a hard time developing, which is that throw off the run. You might not have any intention of running it out and, and hanging onto the football, but kind of getting that body momentum and off of one foot or with your balance off but squaring your shoulders, he does it really, really well. One one eight five. I believe that's the worst Alabama team since two thousand and seven. Eight six nine three. I believe Texas is not back. Sark's still terrible head coach. They have talent that'll win them. Uh, a good bit of games, they'll still fall big at some point. I mean, Tommy Reese did look like he was having a bad, bad day in the booth for Alabama. Every time they showed him, it looked like he was getting yelled at by his mom. It was probably, it kind of was, except his mama is Nick Saban. I'm going to go now. Uh, My name is Joseph George. Uh, I am the Queen Bee and the assistant to the regional manager of the show. And what do you believe? Uh, I believe that... Uh, Texas A&M and the University of Houston need to make coaching changes. That's why I wanted to put that statement He'll out there first. They'll get it figured out. I, They'll be fine. They're going to respond. Both of them? Well, for sure A&M. One of like, them. One of them. I'll Dana give Dana sure. a little, like. He'll get it figured out. A&M? No. Jimbo? Done. Like, it's time to move on. It is a disaster. Now, maybe Miami's a little bit better. But, like, Tyler Van Dyke is a guy that, like, was just a disaster last year. And now Miami's top 25 because of that win. Like, A&M just got worked that entire game. Like, Jimbo should be out. See, the defense was what was bad, though. Like, the offense yeah, was good I, in that game. Offense, Trino looks fine. Yep, I totally agree with that. I thought the offense, they had a, they had a lead for a while. I like, I like Connor Wigman a lot. Like, he was actually really impressive. But they just... But you're the head coach, Jimbo, so you get the blame. And, like, it's great the offense can score, but now the defense is bad? 
Like, what is happening? And that's, that, you know, that, that was the biggest knock on AM forever. They couldn't get the quarterback right, but they could always get the five stars and the quality players on both sides of the football. The thing is, they're and, and their defense looks looks like they're they're just getting worked like they're not supposed to, having the, the pick of the litter of all those five-star kids that they get every year. I got one more, too. All right, go for it. Uh, in a study in turns event, events, the scumbag school of the Big Ten, Michigan State, sucks. Mel Tucker. Yeah, Mel Tucker's getting in fired. Ooh, That's a really weird story. Did they fire him? Not they yet. just suspended, right? It's, it's been reported both ways, to be fair. Did you did you read up on that? Yeah, Brett McMurphy, he said fired, and then he said we'll be fired yeah, soon. Yeah, it's controversial. I mean, did you read up on the... The allegation? The yeah, allegation. Yeah, he no, says no, 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 like... He said, he said it was consensual. They they talk on the phone often. They this one act that Mel Tucker is. I mean, I think he actually he actually admitted it. He admitted that it was consensual. Yeah, he did. It was over a thirty minute phone call, which is kind of weird. Um, and this happened last year. Like the timing Dude, on this, have, well, they've known for nine months. Michigan State, I think, was very timely with their leak of this. I, I believe that. Because they, of the performance on, on the field? Yeah, now they fire them with, with cause. I think yeah. if they're 2-0, and oh, does it come out right now? No, because... If they're like, top 10 in the nation, does it come out just, right now? You look, you look like a scumbag school, though, when you've known for nine months. Yeah, you do. And Because you look like you're reacting to the media finding you're a football out about person. something. Yeah. yeah, but you're not. Well, but no, but but you're, you're, you're prioritizing they're, your athletics and your football over your virtues and your morals. Their yeah. football... You know what their football facility is called? What? The Tom Izzo football facility? No, it's not. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I am dead serious. The new football facility they built there. I don't know if it's football facility, but it's named Tom, it's named after Tom Izzo. The Michigan State football That's facility wild. is named after Tom Izzo. Let Tom coach the football team. He might be better than Mel Tucker. Their fo- yeah, it's um, Mel Tucker's not a good coach. The only reason why people thought yeah, he- Tom Izzo football building. Yeah, he got a <laughs> massive contract because of uh, LSU rumors. Uh, Kenneth Walker. Oh yeah, and and LSU was, yeah, but like, but like Ken, yeah, but like Kenneth Walker was like this monster. They won all these games. Then the LSU rumors came on on the back of Kenneth Walker. That's how and I mean, he cashed in. A lot I know. Of, that's how like, a lot of coaches cash. But like he hasn't really had any success anywhere. I mean, think about all Dion's done in two weeks. Mel Tucker never did at Colorado. That's that's how it works. I mean, that's how it works. I believe the Pac-12 is going out with a bang. Hell yeah, they, they are. have eight ranked teams. They have eight ranked. The Pac-12, like which is not going to exist next year, has eight ranked teams. They have the defending Heisman, the favorite to win the Heisman. They also have Colorado, which is incredibly exciting. Like they've lost. I think the only games they've lost have been conference games in the Pac-12. Pac-12 going out with a major bang. Yeah, I don't like one of them. Who's that? Oh, Washington State. Yeah, the Cameron Ward guy, man. He's good. He's a stud. The coach is really good. And as long as you know they can. Deal with NIL and, and find ways to get some money and recruit some kids. It, the, the the coaching staff and the they're players homeless. they have now they're good. They're homeless. They are. But, I mean, but I'm just saying they beat the Badgers last year. They beat oh, the Badgers yeah. this year. And the Badgers embarrassed me. Look, Luke Fickle's going to figure it out. He's going to yeah, be, be fine. Yeah. But in year one, that's not the hiccup after a, a, a week one win that they got. Oh five eight seven. I believe Miami's here. Here's another one that I have. I believe right, one thanks, final Del. one final one. Yeah. I, <laughs> Del, Del's listening. Um. I believe the SEC is only going to have one school make the playoff for the second year in a row. Agreed. Cash yeah, that, that, cash. I cash that as well. Yeah. Georgia and Georgia. Look, that's it. They better be careful. They better be careful. Like, what if Georgia loses twice? Who else in the SEC is making the playoff? Like, Alabama is going to go better go on a run. Like, they can only afford one more loss maximum. 
One more loss maximum. Tennessee? Tennessee's got a shot. They didn't look great. And we, they, dude, they, played, they played like uh, they played some school. I Austin can't remember. P. No, it wasn't Austin P. Yeah, they did. I think they played Austin P. But it's not the game that I'm talking oh, about where they kind of struggled. Virginia week one. No, I can't remember. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. You can still send in your beliefs. All right, the Astros were in action over the week. Astros at four is back, baby. Astros have increased their lead in the division. Two and a half with 18 games left to play. The good, the bad, the ugly from the Astros weekend series. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.